This is Let's Keep It Real with Sandy Joy Weston, your weekly dose of positivity with awesome stories and guests from all over the world. It's an opportunity to learn some great new things and expand your mind. We'll tackle topics from all areas of life, and as always with Sandy, the sky's the limit. This month, we wanted to tell you about Sandy's other podcast, Positive Power Lady. This four-woman podcast is all about stepping into your true power and dealing with today's hottest topics in a positive, bold way. You can listen to the podcast on Spotify and Sandy's website, www.sandyjoywesson.com. If you haven't already, take a listen to one of the amazing episodes and share it with someone who you think would enjoy it. Well, everyone who knows me knows I've been waiting for this guest. Today's awesome and inspiring podcast guest is Dr. Rick Hansen. Oh my gosh, there are so many great videos out there and workshops. I'm just so excited. So let me tell you about him a little bit. Oh. Dr. Hansen is a psychologist, senior fellow of the Greater Good Science Center at UC Berkeley and New York Times bestselling author. His books are available in 28 languages and include Resilient, Hardwiring Happiness, which a lot of you know, I know for sure, Buddha's Brain, I got that one, Just One Thing, and Mother Nurture. Dr. Hansen has spent decades helping people turn everyday experiences into lasting happiness, love, and inner peace, hardwired into the brain, which you know I love. He enjoys wilderness, taking a break from emails, don't we all, and time with his wife and two adult children. Welcome, Dr. Hansen. Well, I really have to be here, Sandy. Please call me Rick. Rick? Oh, I like that. I can do that easier. Okay. So okay, I feel like a stalker, though. I know all your work. <laughs> I've been like watching videos for so long. And I just want to start out by saying thank you. Thank you for putting oh. everything out there and making it simple for everybody to understand and apply. Well, thank you. Well, the first thing I want to do is before we get into a lot of tips that you have for people that they can do in their everyday life, I am really confused about your journey. It's so crazy and funny. I'm sitting there reading about how you were, you know, predicting if there was going to be a nuclear meltdown and how that got into, okay, I'm going to be a therapist or something. How did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> well, you're, this is a tip of the hat to you, Sandy, because most people don't read that deeply in my bio. <laughs> but there's a lot of weird stuff in there, and it's good that you stumbled across it. Oh, well, you know, I'm like, dead and I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Like, odds yeah. of risk analysis. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now, you know, here I am, what? PhD. <laughs> Why did I name that job, which was one of the coolest jobs I ever had, and then maybe go backwards and kind of start from the beginning, as it were. So that job, I'm about 26, uh, coming out of half a cult, uh, stumbling out of it, dead broke, really like, what am I going to do with my life? Young person, right? And uh, I knew a guy kind of vaguely, and I just literally called him up from a, this is a funny story on a payphone looking for work. And I happened to know him that he, he himself had a PhD in applied mathematics from Princeton, but as a kid had grown up in tough neighborhoods and was a boxer. So he was quite a character. Uh, I'll just use his first name, uh, first name Stan. And so I called him up and said, Hey, you know, I'm looking for work. Blah, blah. He said, all right, let me tell you a situation and tell me how you 
deal with it, Rick. Okay. So he just throws this oddball business problem at me. All right, we got a big company and they're trying to figure out how much money to spend on, you know, I don't know, wind turbines. He was in the energy consulting business. Okay, Rick, what would you do? Right on the spot. And I know you, Sandy, have been there where sink or swim. And I swam, you know, I went, well, let me think about it. So I just kind of my orderly way. So, well, it seems like there are three issues here. Pulled them apart. This is kind of how I think about it. He And he said, great, come to work tomorrow. Boom, yeah. that began it. And so I got to be the, you know, what is a wonderful job, especially for a young person. I got to be the guy who, or person, woman, who carried the briefcase of the head person and yet got to be in all the meetings, got to grind out all the details, got to travel together and got to really, really see how the how the big kids do it, you know, in the major leagues. And what he did as a mathematician, ready for a fancy phrase, he did probabilistic risk analyses, which okay. are essentially yeah, essentially calculating the odds of a nuclear power plant melting down or an oil spill occurring off the coast of Vancouver based on oil platforms or literally the odds of an airplane crashing in a neighborhood around a new municipal airport or the likely total cost of some huge tar sands project in Canada. And this was like 1978. So, um, you know, what the, the takeaway here for me from all this... You need uh, therapy after that. That's what you needed. <laughs> yeah, right, right. No, no. It was so interesting because oh, if you think about it, it all sounds so fancy. And yet we're doing probabilistic risk analyses all day long. In other words, we're continually trying to figure out, you know, rough and tumble, what are the odds that it'll go better if I say this to her or it'll go worse if I do that, right? We're continually doing that. And it was a fantastic training for me. It was just a year-long job, but it was a great training for me in um, how to function in life in, that is turbulent and uncertain and continually changing, right? And the ground is shaking beneath our feet. Now these days, in many ways, politically and culturally, economically, more than ever, how do you find your footing? How do you how do you sort it out and still go forward? So that was really, really cool, actually. I, I really enjoyed that. Uh, it, the, it got clear to me that I wanted to work with people, not numbers. Okay. That, um, yeah. And engineering wasn't really going to be my deal. And that sent me back to grad school, which then about uh, 10 years later, got me a psychologist PhD and a license and books and family and more from there. But, you know, that uh, that particular job was really great. And I think a takeaway is to go for it in this life and also keep thinking about how do I deal with the facts that I don't have all the information always, but I still have to go forward. Yeah, You know what? I <laughs> I do agree. And I am that person. Like I like if when an oppor- I might have not thought mm-hmm. of that opportunity, yeah. but I'm going to take it. And yep. even though it might not be something I'm going to stay with, I love that you're saying, look at all the things that I learned from that and mm-hmm. learned that you definitely don't want to work, stay with numbers, but people. Yeah. But I still think for me and my personality, Rick, mm-hmm. I would be up at night, you know, like the plane in the neighborhood. Doing <laughs> you would, would you worry about it? I'm the person, well, do you watch the news? Yeah, 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 or read or listen, but yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I I know what's going on in the world, so I don't want you to think, you know, I know, but yeah. if I watched the news, I would have dreams about the news. Yeah. 
it would get in there. So I feel like, you know how you were saying about, I was reading the one thing about the negative in there and you Mm. put more of the positive to outweigh the negative. Well, it's not like I'm not aware of what the news is, but I'm more Mm. like a world news person. Like give me the basics. Yeah. And then I fill it with like stupid, funny crap. Like before bed, I'm going to watch something that makes me laugh. Oh yeah. You You know what I mean? Because it's just, and I don't know if that's just my personality or, you know, I was reading about mirroring, you know, like, does, you're, does that true? I had to ask you, by the way, that was one of the questions somebody said, because I always ask people before sure. they come on, Yeah, you know, and one of the questions is, is mirroring true? Like if you watch something and you're watching, like, here's the question, right? I'm going to get it right. Okay, doc, if I watch the Game of Thrones, does my brain really not <laughs> know it's fantasy? Uh- well, I've been watching. I stopped reading the books halfway th- after the Red Wedding because they were just too good. In other words, they were too they were invading my mind. You're right. You're right. You're right. Uh, well, uh, that's a good point. question, by the way. I like yeah, that. it's right on. Okay, so on the one hand, we do affect each other, right? And so the and also the media, the news we watch, the movies we watch, that all is going to affect us. On the one hand, on the other hand. Some people are more sensitive than others. You sound like someone who's like me. You have a really active imagination. Like me, I will not watch trailers for horror films. I had to look away from the ads for them when there were newspapers back in the Stone Age. I don't look at those. Um, And because they just go into my mind. Uh, And I think it's also interesting as a detail, the founder of the Jesuits, Ignatius Loyola, uh, back, I don't know, hundreds of years ago said, if you're going to give up all of your practices, whatever they might be, if you give up everything except you keep one thing, keep the thing you do just before falling asleep. So I think it's really neat what you do, actually, just before yeah. going to bed, because the brain right there, six, seven, eight hours or more, is really is really receptive. It's really absorbing the yeah. last influences just before sleep. And- well, you know, people <laughs> know he teased me I need a lot of help because I do a lot of self-help things. Like I meditate mm-hmm. before I go to bed, even for a mm-hmm. few minutes. I write in my journal. Yeah. I wake up. I listen to positive stuff because, you know, I don't just come out of the world pippy skippy. There's a lot of work that goes into this, right? (laughs) Yeah, for sure. For sure. But in a way you're getting at really, for me, the most important topic, which is how do we grow strengths inside? In other words, let's suppose a person is um, hypothetically a little nervous by nature, right? Or a person, just any person is trying to deal with the world as it is. What are we going to do? And I'm really an old school guy. My family kind of roots through my father, come out of North Dakota. My mom's childhood was rocky, raised by a single mother, a restaurant hostess. And so for me, and also I've done a ton of stuff in wilderness and also in business. And I've kind of learned, you know, you got to you got to rely on yourself, which means growing resources in that inside, strengths inside, like mindfulness, courage, happiness, compassion for others, et cetera, et cetera. You got to grow the good stuff inside. Uh, and so for me, that's the key takeaway. How do we grow the good stuff inside to deal with the problems out there in the world and have a good life meanwhile? Yeah, I think that was a big thing for me that. You don't, I don't have to sit there and watch the news and really like, you know, a lot of people say to me, Sandy, you live in a world with rose colored glasses. And I go, well, I kind of got through to this point. I think I'm good. So Uh I don't, I don't believe that, but I also 
want to be, I think that's, I like the way you said it, strength inside. Yeah. I don't want to run and avoid it. You know, do, do you right. know what I'm saying? Like, I want to be able to go, okay, that's there, mm-hmm. but how do I build all the stuff to deal with it? And I think yeah. there's a big difference there than, you know, I don't have to watch the news 24 seven, but still know, okay, let's not deny it and put my head in the sand. Yeah. Can I ask you a question and turn the tables here? Woo! Yes, you can. <laughs> All right. So I'll ask this question as a two as, as a two parter, and you can pick either or both parts. So okay. Okay. part one would be the people who call who write into you or call in, or you just or people you know. What what would be one specific particular inner strength, inner capability, resource, emotion, mood, et cetera, et cetera? What would be a key inner strength that that you think would help people? And the part two of the question is, what's the key strength you're developing these days inside yourself? Ooh, that's a good one. I think the big thing that I tell people is having unconditional love for yourself just because. Not when your book is successful, not when you meet the man of your life, not because your child behaved in school. But working for me always, that's why I said, like, I'm always developing myself and my strengths of Mm. bringing that unconditional love or my middle name is Joy. So that was Mm -hmm. a gift or finding my joy, because I think my biggest strength that I'm always working on is I want to show up in the world Mm-hmm. With joy, I don't expect the world to give it to me. Like, I don't get joy from my job. I bring joy, and therefore, there is joy. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Beautiful attitude. That's what yeah. you're asking. But yeah. It's a long, like, I think that I've used fitness, I would say mm-hmm. more like as, because I've owned health clubs my whole life and everything, but fitness was my vehicle for mental and physical well being. It was just mm-hmm. my way to get into. You know how, like, I feel, I don't know about you, but for me, I'm always developing, always bigger about being worthy of, like, not comparing myself to others. And it always seems that when I feel like I have it down, there's always another stuff like, okay, well, you did that, but there's a million books. And then I have to say, I have to tune all that stuff out and go, well, then there'll be a million and one. And I feel right now, even I even have a high school child. And so a lot of his friends will come to me. And, you know, not tell their parents and their biggest thing. And by the way, we're getting to the second question. So I am going to flip it again. Yeah. Just feel like they're not enough. Like they're Mm. constantly feeling that they have to be the best at something. And if they're not, where do they fit in? Mm. And they're having a tough time with that, especially they feel it's more competitive and not just because of where we are, you know, with expense in colleges, but that the world got smaller for them. You know, they're competing with the entire world and mm-hmm. they don't know how to feel like they're enough. I know that's a big question, mm-hmm. but it's huge. Yeah. And it's not, you know, you don't want to just say, well, you know, I say, you know, my son, well, you know, every person on this earth has a place and it doesn't matter how small big goes. Oh my God, mom, you got to give them more than that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let let me just, let me jump in with just a little point. And then maybe there's a part two here for you. Okay. Um, So let's say to go back to what you started with, that was very touching to me personally about 
this uh, unconditional love for yourself, as it were, which is a sense of acceptance, not becoming arrogant or vain, obviously. So the question is, how do people develop that, especially in the face of all these negative messages that everybody gets? I think certain groups of society especially get them. Frankly, women tend to get them a lot in terms of what they look like or whatnot, you know, negative messages. So how do you stand up against all that? And um develop that that quality you described of that kind of unbounded fundamental unconditional mm-hmm. you know kindness and 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 valuing of yourself well the key way to grow anything inside yourself this is dr rick talking here is a two-step process of brain change you change your brain in two simple steps number one you have to experience what you want to grow number two you have to take it into your brain and leave a lasting physical change behind That's the fundamental process of growing. So that means that if someone wants to develop this quality of kindness for themselves, they need to have experiences of that or related factors, you know, like self-compassion or self-respect or recognizing that you're not a total, I'm not going to swear here, but you're not a total jerk. Um, um, You know, you have to experience those things. But when you do experience those things, don't waste them on your brain. You've got to do the second step. And you know my material and stuff like that. But the essence is really simple. Stay with the experience for a breath or longer. Feel it in your body. Focus on what feels good about it. And those three things, keeping it going, feeling it in your body, focusing on what's rewarding about it, will literally start hardwiring it into your own nervous system as a lasting change there. So increasingly then, you take what you grow with you wherever you go. And that's the fundamental process here. I'm sure we'll get into the details, but I wanted to get that in right no, quick so people no. can even start doing it on this podcast. So let's let's stay with that right now, because mm-hmm. the thing that I love is that you're putting science to a lot of what I've believed yep. my whole life. And that's been it didn't make sense to me. Well, that doesn't yep. make sense to me. You know how I mean? Like innate. But a lot of people need the science. And so yeah. I'll refer to other people because I say, listen, I know this to me is just something that I've done my whole life and it feels good, but they need the science. And this is fantastic that yeah. there's actually like science to back this up. Yeah. But I just, I don't know if you've ever heard of a Kripala retreat. It's a yoga oh, retreat. Oh yeah. I've taught there. A really interesting center. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was fortunate enough to go uh, a few weeks ago and I'm not even a yogi, but I went for yeah. all the other stuff. And one of the courses the woman was teaching, I was fascinated by it. She's like, okay, you have these 10 areas you want to work on. You can't work on. And this is what I, when I was reading your stuff earlier and you were saying, you, let's pick one, right? Like, yep, so you were saying one. kindness, how, and you said to feel it and experience it for how long? Mm-hmm. Like you pick a month and say, just like a goal, like a fitness goal and say this month I'm working on being kind to myself and others. Oh, that's a great question. Um, So I call it the law of little things. In other words, it's usually lots of little bad things that take us to a bad place, but it's lots of little good things every single day that can take us to a better one. And when I say good, they're usually mild, like a little moment of kind of accepting yourself, let's say, or realizing that your needs matter just as much as anybody else's in your family. Or let's say a kind of warmth for yourself, a friendliness for yourself, or you just, or taking in the feeling from another person that they appreciate you. These are all uh, building blocks of growing that love that you described, that kind of acceptance and feeling like you're okay as you are. 
right? Mm. Um, so those little experiences usually take a breath or two. Well, that's 10, 20 seconds max, you know, that's half a dozen seconds often. If a person actually does what I'm describing, if they, mm-hmm. if they take in the good half a dozen times a day, roughly, which really takes less than three minutes a day, right? In the I flow, like that. a little bit here, a little bit there. You know, I think of the hot dog vendor, you joke with the hot dog vendor. It, it's not more than what it is, but it's not less than what it is. Your dog looks at you like, oh, I love you. I love you. Take it in. Your kid says gruffly, you're okay, mom. Take it in, you know? Uh, you get something done that's hard, a tricky email, or you just get through a hard day of work. Um, whew, slow down, take it in. Well, if you do that for one day, it will change your day. And you are beginning the process of changing your brain in general. So when you say, how long does it take? Partly it depends how big the issue is. I'm a therapist. Sometimes people have really big issues and it's not their fault, but it is their responsibility what they're going to do with them. Right. And and so it can take time to, in effect, grow enough flowers in the garden of your mind day by day, seed by seed to gradually crowd out the weeds. That can sometimes take a while. But in my experience, if people do this sincerely, and like I said, I'm kind of old school, you got to put in the work. It's sweet work. It's authentic yeah. work, but you got to kind of do it in, in what I'm describing, you know, uh, a breath or two at a time. But if people actually do that, they almost always feel different quite quickly. And if they don't, that's an indicator that there could be an underlying physical health problem that's um, making their brain, in effect, incapable of feeling better and a fundamental health problem, like let's say true depression or other kind of issues that just where, you know, trying to get something going inside their own experiences, like lighting a fire with wet wood, you know, it just doesn't ignite. But for most people, and I I hope you'll let me do this before we go, I'm going to give you the 10, the 10 day challenge. I'm going to name the 10 minute challenge. It's the 10 minute challenge for each day. And I'll tell you what I mean by that if you let me. Uh, but I think that uh, little things make a huge difference for people. And, you know, one thing I've just seen, Sandy, I bet you've seen it as well. Uh, people will put a lot of effort into stuff that they don't really care about. But when it comes to stuff they really care about, like their fitness or their yeah. family or their or what's happening inside their own mind, their own thoughts and feelings, they won't put the work in. And, you know, then you don't get the result. But if you do put the work in, which I'm describing is less than 10 minutes a day, you really can change yourself from the inside out. And a lot of science shows this. I think that's the big, I call it the sticky wicket, that you, I mean, this is after my own heart, I believe so much in it doesn't take a lot. It's consistency. It's habits forming every day. I always say it's the same thing as when I pick the weeds out of my fountain outside. It just takes a minute every day and then it flows. But if I don't, it gets all backed up for the week. But I think that people think it's so easy. It can't possibly work. Do you know what I mean? Like that you have to go to severe. I'm not saying like you said, there are needs for therapy and there are needs for medication, but they feel like this prevention stuff, it's just hot. That's what I hear. Oh, Sandy, come on. It can't be that easy. Yeah, I say to them, well, test it. You yeah. know, do an experiment. Uh, yeah. Run it. Uh, well, you have to lose, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. See, it's really true. Uh, I love reality, man. When I was a kid, there was a lot of craziness in my family, and it was hard to figure out what's really true, you know? 
am I crazy? Are they crazy? What's going on? And I, I took a lot of refuge out, out in the hills around my where I lived in Southern California. I grew up outside of L.A. And the hills to me were in the orange groves around my house. I could believe them. They were real. And that was such a comfort to know what's real. So I would say to people, hey, you might be right and you're screwed. <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay. <laughs> it might be true that you're totally screwed, dead in the water, and there's nothing you can do. On the other hand, maybe you're not. And why don't you, you know, why don't you find out? Why don't you give it a little bit and see what works for you? You want to hear my 10-minute challenge? Wait a minute. I love that you're screwed. <laughs> there is no hope for you. Okay, maybe. Right, I do want the 10-minute challenge, but before we do that, I have I want to Go back, all right? Because I have, right. I do have two questions for you. So, because I understand it, but I want to make sure the listeners understand. Mm-hmm. When you say "take it in," like you're saying mm-hmm. kindness, like stop in that moment, take a breath. Can you just elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, um, <clears throat> there's a great saying. Here we go: neurons that fire together wire together. Firing and wiring. So, firing means you're having the experience. That's the first step of change, of growing and healing. You have the experience that's useful, that's beneficial of some kind. By experience, I mean something really simple, like your body relaxes as you exhale, or you feel good at the end of a workout, or you feel friendly with somebody else. Like, I'm really enjoying this with you, Sandy. That's an experience. I'm having an experience. These are experiences, right? But second, wiring together, that means helping the experience leave a lasting physical change in your brain. Because without that lasting physical change in your, your brain, your nervous system, and your body, well, it might have been a momentarily pleasant experience, but there's no value. Nothing sank in. That's the really dirty little secret. It's easy to have experiences, but it we have to help them sink in. Because as you kind of said quickly in passing, the brain has what scientists call a negativity bias. I say it's like Velcro for the bad, but Teflon for the good. Oh, yeah. I love that saying. I saw yeah. that. Yeah. And we all know what it's like. Any little moment of stress or hurt or worry or the blues goes right in. But, you know, all those nice little moments that are real where we get stuff done. We're not such a jerk. Uh, people are kind to us. They're, you know, the flowers are blooming. The hot dog tastes good. Or the tofu burger. Pick it either way. Uh I like Philly steak sandwiches. I'll admit it. You know, so, um, you know, why not take it in? Okay. So that's the setup. So I'll walk you through it. So here we are, let's say right now, uh, I'm feeling a, a very enjoyable sense of camaraderie with you, mutual respect. I grew up in California. You grew up in Philly. The fact that you can relate to my kind of laid back California style makes me feel good. Great. All right. So I'm just I go to California a lot. Uh, yeah, I'm just having an experience. But what I'm doing is I'm right now, I'm literally kind of staying with it. I'm enjoying it. I'm kind of gently keeping it going. I'm aware of body sensations around my heart area, my chest area, which relate to feelings of connection and warmth and friendliness with other people. It's not more than what it is, right? But it's yeah. not less than what it is. I'm just kind of staying with it. It's nice, opening, feels good. Great. Boom. And then on to the next thing. That was, you know, a breath or two or three, yeah. five, 10, 20, 30 seconds. But what's interesting, as simple as that seems, as soon as you start trying to do it, you start watching your mind <laughs> yeah. jumping into the next thing. 
distracted by this or you you notice inside you feel, ooh, am I really allowed to feel good? (laughs) You know, even privately. And it's not weird. I've got my clothes on. But am I really allowed to feel good like this? Wait a second here. Is that bad? Am I betraying my family, my children, my depressed parents because I'm allowing myself to feel good? Uh, Am I going to lower my guard because I feel good? And you start realizing that we have all these old habits, these old beliefs that that block us from taking into our hearts what we long for. And you start to realize, wait a minute, I am allowed to feel good. It's okay. It's not, I'm not making something up here and it's not some kind of super fancy thing. It's very down to earth. It's okay for me to feel it. Also, it doesn't hurt other people for me to feel good. Actually, as I kind of feel good and, and I start to feeling calmer and happier and, and more at ease inside myself, I'm less of a jerk. I'm more patient. I'm more generous to other people. I'm more able to keep running the marathon of parenthood every day. Uh, also, I, I don't have to lower my guard just because I'm feeling good inside. I can keep my eyes wide open. I can keep noticing the jerks yeah. out there in the world who are still coming at me. And, and in fact, as I let myself feel good, I get stronger and tougher and more resilient so I can deal with those people. Right. So that's how to do it. Well, you know what? I love that you did that. And you know what I call it? I call it milking it. Okay. Love it. I love it. Yeah. When I say, Oh my God, I feel like people say something good happened. And then they go on to this. I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's milk it. Let's really feel it. So now I understand it. All right. Yep. Now, before we get on to the 10 minute challenge, I just had somebody beep through because they knew I was talking to you and I have to ask their question. Okay. Good. Is ready? Yep. Okay. Here you go, Rick. Depression. Uh, People are throwing that word around. What, how do I know my kid says they're depressed? My husband says they're depressed. Are they just sad or are they just bummed? They, I mean, they don't look depressed to me. Like, what does that word mean? Where's the degree? That's, well, okay. Isn't that a great question? Yeah, super question. So, okay. So I'm going to put on my little clinical hat here and go through some bullet points quickly. Boom, boom, boom. All right. So one oh, and thing. The other part of it was part two. Can they still benefit from your stuff? Great question. Okay. So clinical depression, you can go online and in five minutes you can see the so-called criteria for it. And you can use those as kind of like a checklist. When you think about your kid or your husband or yourself, you can sort of go through that checklist. It's short and sweet. You know, these major characteristics of true depression, they're in plain English. And you can just ask yourself, huh, how true is that for me or true for this other person? And when I say true, how intense and how frequent, right? So part one, part two, True clinical depression is pervasive. In other words, it shows up when you're walking the dog, when you're at work, when you're sitting and watching TV, not just when you're in a really stressful, tough situation. It's kind of across the board. Um, you know, I and, and there's that part. Now, another key question, uh, characteristic is well, it's called loss of loss of pleasure in things once enjoyable. In other words, one of the key indicators is a sense of life being kind of flat. You just it's it's not that you feel terrible, terrible, but you can't feel good. You just gotcha. uh, and another key indicator is a sort of sense of fatigue. So 
A lot of people are depressed, actually. I think worldwide depression is the, is the world's leading health problem. It's, it's very, very common, true depression. And there are a lot of people who are kind of the walking wounded, especially, you know, in different ways, men and women, you know, move forward. So what to do about it? I think, one, it's always good to double check your physical health because depressed mood is an is a extremely frequent symptom of any kind of physical health condition, including fairly mild ones like seasonal allergies or um, just kind of a chronic sense of something not really right in your digestion, you know, for the last 10 years since you took a trip, you know, around the world somewhere. Uh, So really, really take a look at your physical health. You, I'm sure, appreciate this. And in sensible ways that are not crazy, but are sensible and persistent, you do everything you can to optimize your physical health in rational ways. And very often that will support mood. It'll help your mood. It'll lift your mood. Another key thing, of course, is to look at your environment. A lot of people are depressed because their work is depressing, you know, or their relate their marriage is depressing, or they're dealing with somebody routinely who's really dragging them down. And there's a real place for looking outside yourself. I'm a shrink. I look inside the mind. That's kind of what I do for a living. I think mm-hmm. that's really useful because you take your mind with you wherever you go, and yeah. you have a lot of influence over it. But that doesn't mean not fixing, you know, the pothole in the street outside your front door or dealing with your neighbor who's, whose dog is barking all the time and prevents you from sleeping. There's a Or the person you live with who's just kind of nasty or critical or mean or grumpy all the time, and it's not about you, you know? How about so if they part. snore all the time, Rick? What if they snore all the time? Yeah, well, that's that's tough. You know, I, I deal with that sometimes myself. And so <laughs> sleep's really important. So this big topic, just finishing here, then the other, then, so now getting inside of what can you actually do? Um, think about what, if it were more present inside your mind, would help you not be so depressed. So this is the resource. What's the strength inside? What's the muscle in effect? Ah. Your mind? Yeah. So maybe cultivating gratitude, that might be helpful to you. Maybe cultivating mindfulness so that as critical thoughts move through your mind or you start getting anxious or worried, instead of being hijacked by it, you can step back from it, like getting out of the movie and moving 20 rows back with popcorn, watching it up there on the screen. That's a huge research-based um, intervention for depressed mood to become more mindful and not struggle with your thoughts. You're not trying to fight them, but on the other hand, you're not feeding them anymore. You're gotcha. not chasing after them. That, that's a big one. I think another one, too, is relationships. Uh, there are, uh, by d- forming more friendships with others and mm-hmm. feeling more cared about authentically, yeah. that's really yeah. good for depressed mood as well. They're, these are called social interventions because they, re- they really matter. Um, I'm not talking about faking anything. I'm not talking about um, going out and hugging everyone on the street. Uh, but I am talking about, yeah, pluck the low-hanging fruit. You know, the, yeah. the relationship, the interactions that are friendly, that are supportive, that notice the people who do appreciate you, uh, you know, take in uh, a, a sense of being cared about when you can from others. And also be aware of your own lovingness. You know, love is love, whether it's flowing in or flowing out. And it feeds us whether in, in each flowing way, right? Yeah. Our yeah. own love for others uh, feeds us too. So those are things I would do. Click through that. If those kinds of things don't really take care of it for somebody, 
then they, well, you know, really ought to think about going to the next level of intervention, you know, yeah. including potentially talking with a, a professional at least yeah. once to get a take on what's going on. Yeah. Then last, in terms of my stuff, if someone is profoundly depressed, like literally, if they could get out of bed, they would kill themselves. And I don't mean that in a glib or joking. Yeah, way. no, no. Literally. Um, then the methods you and I are exploring, which have to do with, you know, uh, internalizing beneficial experiences, you know, useful, positive experiences mm -hmm. it, that wouldn't work because they can't have any positive experiences by definition, but mild to moderate clinical depression, mild to moderate clinical depression yeah. really draws on the, the essence of the methods you and I are talking about, which is to number one, have some experiences, get out, go shopping, walk the dog, change your clothes, take a shower, make the bed, do something. Yeah. Uh, go go get a workout, yeah. even if you don't want to. Do something. And then in the process of doing something, step one, you're having those experiences. Step two, this is the part that's often left out, unfortunately. I'm trying to get more people to be um, explicit about it and deliberate and intentional about the second step. Like you said, milk it, right? Stay yeah. with it. Absorb it. Let yourself have it. Feel it sinking into your body. Feel it establishing itself in your mind. Feel yourself shifting episode by episode. You know, each one of those little moments in a day is a, a half a minute or a couple minutes long. But episode by episode, drop by drop, you're filling your heart up again. Yeah. You're filling that hole in your heart. Yeah. And, and you know what? I think you're right. Like I was thinking about even the people that say I'm depressed. If I listened to some of the high school kids, they're mm -hmm. just throwing it out there. Like uh, they, mm -hmm. they're really saying I'm bummed sometimes. Like I, I yeah. tell parents, don't be worried because your kid's like, oh, I'm so depressed. I'm like, don't go crazy. You can tell they're sometimes they're using instead of saying I'm sad. Yeah. Especially for young kids. Yeah. That's yeah. That's right. What do you really mean by that? Like, yeah. man, I'm so depressed. Like, yeah. I, I like the Golden State Warriors. They lost in the playoffs last night, but they're still going. Oh, I'm so depressed. The Warriors yeah. lost last night. You know, got to be careful. Yeah. I mean, you can tell the person, you know what? Yeah. All right. So now, because we're going to, we could be here for hours. I could talk to ever. I love yeah, it. That'd be fun. Yeah. Yeah, I know. But <laughs> in the interest of time, I want to get in it because we've covered a lot of things I wanted to go over. But what is this? challenge all right yeah yeah well also as you'll do in the show notes but i'll just say it here too people should check out my website rick hansen s-o-n rickhanson.net tons of freely offered material also a bunch of very cool online programs that are really well organized super inexpensive freaking well organized i am so impressed uh, and they're I organized <laughs> I, I love the way you set them up. I'm like, oh my God, I could do that course. I could do that course. I could, I'm, I'm like a knowledge. Oh, yeah. And I found it too that, you know, regular people could just, uh, you know, any, you, on your phone, any which time, guided meditations, cool little videos, little suggestions. So check it out, rickhanson.net. And by the way, I just want to plug that. It's when people say, you know, why are you so joyful? It's every day. Like you said, it is work. I love the way you said that. It's not hard work, but mm. making sure that you create that habit. And with your stuff, it helps you not get off track. Well, I really appreciate that. Yeah. And I, I think that's really true. I think it's really true. And, you know, part of it, well, I'll say one more thing. I bet you can relate to this. Part of what motivates that, and it really came up for me right there, that, that, the thing of, hey, let's do what we can. 
is that, man, life is short. Life is extraordinary. What an opportunity. And there are forces coming at us that want to drag us down or not make us happy. And for me, there's a moxie. There's a kind of spunk and strength and feistiness. That's at the heart, for me at least, of this personal growth material. It's easy to trivialize it. It's like, oh, California yoga camp, something like that, you know, or Kripalu yoga camp. No, <laughs> it's old school. It's being tough. It's having spunk. It's saying, hey, I'm not going to be defeated by life. I, mean, I like not- the word boxy. I'm going to use that today. I was- yeah, I'm going to be knocked down, but now I'm going to keep on going. All right, all right, all right. Okay, good. So 10-minute challenge, you ready? I'm ready. All right, all right. I can expect you to do this today, Sandy, and then you're going to tell the world about it. It's really straightforward. Okay. First one, <clears throat> half a dozen times a day, take in the good. In other words, as you just kind of move through your day, you know, enjoy your coffee, Uh, Look out, you see a flower, uh, you know, you joke with a friend, somebody sends you a pet video on YouTube that just makes you laugh half a dozen times a day, deliberately, yep, slow down for a breath or two or longer to milk it, as you say. And I want to include here, not just those moments that seem obvious, like that chocolate chip cookie or how good it feels after a workout, but maybe you realize, whoa, it's going to go better from now on if I talk to my wife this way rather than that way, right? In other words, a lot of what we take in um, is about how to be more skillful or we realize something about ourselves. You know, I shouldn't worry about that. I don't need to worry about that so much. You know, that too is something we can take in, all right? It's not just about smelling the roses. All right, so the 10-minute challenge has three parts. That's the first part. A few times a day, Take in the good. Second, as you said at the very beginning, pick one thing in particular you're mm-hmm. growing inside yourself these days, one inner strength you're working on, and then look for chances to experience aspects of that thing you try to grow and really prioritize them for taking them in. Right? So, for example, um, I'm working on inner peace about the news, right? Okay. <laughs> you know, so that I'm not just hijacked by a sense of outrage a fair amount of the time. Okay. So I'm that's working a tough on that. One. <laughs> yeah, that's a common one these days. So I'm looking for that sweet spot where I'm both aware of what's happening and I'm willing to be appropriately angry about it from time to time, but I don't let that poison of hate invade my mind. Really important distinction there. So that might be something I'm working on. Everybody else can pick their own. This is the second part of the 10-minute challenge. This is going to take you another minute or two or three every day. Just be on the lookout for opportunities to experience what you want to grow, this one particular thing, Mm -hmm. and then really prioritize the internalization of it. Slow it down. Be like a human sponge. Really soak it into yourself. So that you become more and more this particular way that you're trying to grow inside. Okay? That's the second part of the 10-minute challenge. And then the third part is to take three to five minutes or so a day to come into what I call the green zone, deep green, where you feel fundamentally, in this moment at least, a sense of peace, calm strength, peace, Also, a sense of uh, contentment. There's an enoughness in the moment as it is, a sense of gratitude, 
be nice to have more. It's okay to keep being going, keep being ambitious. And still there's a sense of contentment. You know, you're not frustrated and driven in that moment. And third, a sense of love. You, you know, that there's a warm heartedness that you're centered in. These are, this is deep green. This is the green zone. This is our human resting state. You know this from the book, Hardwiring Happiness, where I, where I wrote about this. And we really need to come home to deep green because we're driven into the red zone uh, or minimally the pink zone many, many, many times a day with chronic mild to moderate stress. And so we, re- we need to come home to deep green to hardwire it into ourselves so that more and more we have a core inside us of resilient well-being from which we then deal with the challenges of life. So those are the three elements of the 10-minute challenge. Number one, taking the good a few times every day. Two, know one thing you're really, really focusing on to grow inside yourself. And three, make a sacred time every day for yourself, three to five minutes where you just say, hey, world, this is my time. I'm going to center here in in what feels true to me in, in about a deep feeling of peace and contentment and love. I like it. That's it. That's the 10 minute challenge. And you do it one day, it'll change your day. You do I, it I, two days in a row. You'd be like, Whoa, what's happening, mom? You're really nicer. You know, <laughs> you do it 10 days in a row. You're like, Whoa, I'm in a totally new way of being in life. Yeah. I, I love it. All right. So wait, I have to back up a second because I, I had two more questions and we're All running right. out of time and I have to make sure I get in. Them. So here's the big question. They want your definition of mindfulness. Okay. That's I it. can be really short on that one. Um, okay. You're right. Mindfulness these days, big slippery word. Fundamentally, the, the, the fundamental definition is moment to moment, uh, basically sustained present moment awareness sustained. In other words, it keeps on going. It's easy to be mindful for half a breath. Can you be mindful for one whole breath? Can you be mindful for 10 breaths in a row? That's Mm. not even a minute, but can you be mindful for one minute in a row? Yeah, that's for the challenges and the training. So mindfulness is simply sustained present moment awareness. We can apply that awareness into ourselves and also out into the world. We can bring that sustained present moment awareness down into a very tight focus and deep concentration. We can also open that present moment awareness really, really wide, like uh, being aware really, really of everything happening around you in a very, very open way. That's mindfulness. And it, related to mindfulness are things like acceptance, where we accept what's flowing through awareness without trying to fight with it mm. alongside the mindfulness can also be wise effort. When we, when we think to ourselves, you know, I can let go of that. I don't need to fuss about that. I don't need to stress about that. I don't need to beat myself up about that alongside the mindfulness. And also alongside our mindfulness, we can grow the good. We can look out and we can, uh, we can go, Oh, here's a chance to learn something useful from this conversation with my kid or my coworker, or here's a moment while walking the dog to kind of let it sink in and just sort of be in the moment and enjoy it. Right. So that can happen alongside mindfulness as well. Some people think that mindfulness means we have to be totally passive all the time and yeah. just, oh, just be mindful. No, no, no. Uh, <laughs> we are mindful and muscular. There we are. Mindful and muscular. I like that. I like that. All right. I got to get this one in. 
I feel like my brain sometimes, let me make sure I got this right, spins out of control. Mm. It goes from one negative thought to the next. Yeah. I feel like it, oh, wait, what is it? I can't understand. Oh, that I, it's like, it's controlling me. How can I stop? Yeah. Uh, Greg, super question. Um, I think first it's useful to look at when does that happen? Does it happen when you're, there's an acronym from Alcoholics Anonymous, HALT, H-A-L-T, you might know it. If you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, be careful. H-A-L-T, hungry, angry, lonely, tired, be careful. So one thing to look inside is, does it especially happen when you haven't eaten for a while? Or around, you know, you're in a certain situation and someone has done something, you know, then that's, those are things you can intervene on right off the top. Inside yourself, I'll give you a couple quick neuro hacks, neuro hacks, things you can do. Ready? I'm ready. One, focus on exhaling for a few breaths. In other words, deliberately Take some long exhalations. You could even do a little count so that your exhalations are longer than inhalations, like inhaling two, three, exhaling two, three, four, five, six. All right. That itself will slow your heart rate. It engages technically the parasympathetic wing of the nervous system, which does exhaling. And it's the opposite of the sympathetic wing of the nervous system that's involved with fight, flight, stress responding. So if you focus on exhaling, it's going to bring and and focus on the feeling of exhaling. It's going to disengage your attention from those angry, from those thoughts that in which your mind is spinning, right? Mm-hmm. It's going to bring you into your body, which is great. And second, it's going to calm your body and it's going to make you focus on feelings of relaxation. That's a really, really useful thing to do. Okay. That's a good another one. Little, yeah. Another really, really quick hack is to uh, get a bird's eye view. So imagine that you're, you're, you know, in an airplane looking at your problems from 30,000 feet, or you get a sense, you know, of being aware of like the whole panoramic vista around you, sort of like you're looking out from a mountaintop onto a vast plains below. The vast plains below are all those angry thoughts or crazy thoughts, you know, fussing with each other. Um, But you're just sort of watching from above. That little trick going to the bird's eye view, lift your eyes up to the horizon. Make your eyes look out 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 feet away from you or all the way out like to, through a window or even raise your gaze up to the clouds or the ceiling or the sky. These things that I'm saying here, the panoramic vista, the bird's eye view, lifting your gaze to the horizon, mm-hmm. all of those are little neuro hacks that, technically bring awareness into the neural networks on the sides of your brain, especially on the right side of the brains of most people. And what that does is it disengages activity in the so-called default mode network, which has to do with, you know, cortex brain, brain in the middle of your head. Takeaway point here is that if we're caught up, if our brain is going crazy and we're caught up in a lot of obsessing or ruminating or we're using networks in the middle, the top middle of the brain. But if you go out to this bird's eye view, you quiet those angry, (laughs) 
you know, those angry networks in the, the you know fussing and feuding in the middle top of your brain, and you activate, you use networks more on the sides of your head, which brings you into the present moment, helps you take things less personally, and gives you more and more of a sense of the whole. So those are two little tricks you can use. Focus on exhaling and then go after that panoramic perspective. And those two things will tend to quiet that activity. Long-term, those are short-term things you yeah. can do in the moment. They're really useful. Long-term, um, you know, gradually over time, uh, ask yourself what's really useful and relevant in the buzzing of these thoughts and then take appropriate action because maybe those thoughts are trying to tell you something important. But once you take the appropriate action that you, and you decide in the inner temple of your being, you decide what's appropriate. Then once you've taken appropriate action, disengage. Don't feed those thoughts. Don't ally with them. Don't identify with them. They're over there. It's kind of like Angry Frank, every committee has Angry Frank. You know what I mean? Somebody on the committee who is just like, oh, my gosh. Uh, right? I know. Except, you know, Frank, even Frank on the committee, uh, inside your mind or out there at work, whatever, has something to say. But once you get what Frank has to say, like, okay, let's not let the building burn down. Thanks, Frank. Got it. No burning buildings. Got it. Thanks, Frank. Now I'm going to take the microphone and hand it to smart Susie, who's got something really useful, actually, to say here. Let's listen to Susie. You can do that inside the committee of your own mind. You are the chair of the committee. You got to control the mic. Don't let angry Frank have the mic, you know, yeah, uh, for so heart. long. Right. And that's kind of more the long term practice where you start building up the strength of the chair of the committee and quit feeding Frank. And then you give smart Susie the mic more often. Uh, that can really change you over time. But meanwhile, check out these two little neural. Yeah, I, I like that. That, yeah. that. Oh, God, angry Frank. And I know a Frank and he is angry. All right. So we got to go. But, you know, this has been great. I feel Thank like you. I really enjoyed my time. Plus, we got lots of takeaways. But That's before good. we hang up, is there anything you wanted to get in besides how we reach you and all the things you do that we didn't get in? Oh, that's really kind. Uh, so just to repeat, people can reach me through my website, rickhanson.net. And I guess if I were to just really toss one last little thing in, um, it's a quotation. It's a proverb. Maybe you'll let me quote this proverb. It's short and sweet. Here we go. I'm ready. Think not lightly of good saying, it will not come to me. Drop by drop is the water pot filled. Likewise, the wise one, gathering it little by little, fills oneself with good. Oh, I get chills. Yeah. Or as J-Lo says, I got goosies. No, I love that. No, that was really, thank you so much. Yeah. And we're going to put all the information because I know they're going to really, oh, oh, what's your latest book? Is it Resilient? Yeah, Resilient is my latest book. It's a great book. Actually, I wrote it with our son, Forrest Hansen. So I want to give him props there. I saw him in a nice interview with him. Oh, he's the bomb. He's great. Resilient is basically about these 12 strengths. 12 strengths that uh, make us resilient and build up resilient happiness. Because resilience is just a means to an end. The, the, it's the point of it is well-being. The point of it is happiness, right? So yeah. that book, Resilient, is really, really about that. And uh, it's short. It's sweet. It's down to earth. 
it's full of practical advice. So I definitely really recommend that book, Resilient. And we need it these days, right? I kind of wrote it because the crazy world we're in. You know, and I'm telling you, I've interviewed so many people from around the world, and I really appreciate this about how you make this user friendly. And here's the thing, and I'm sure people tell you this all the time. Your presence, your energy comes off as you're not above someone or below someone. And that's something you. you can't give. You know what I mean? Like you can't teach. You either have it or you don't. And so I really appreciate you, you know, spending the time with me and my listeners. Because yeah, Sandy, that, thank you. No one's actually said that to me. Oh, I, I, I'm very touched, thing. actually. And it's hard for some people, you know, because mm. and I when I run across it, that's why I'm like, oh my God, I have to go, I have to go. Crapola. I don't want to go, but we definitely want to go. I have to have you back on sometime. I'm in California. If I, I don't know if you still do workshops or are you uh-huh. out there at speaking engagements anymore? Yeah. Uh, people can find that on my website. You know, I go around, I do a fair amount of teaching. I especially do a lot of stuff online oh, cool. and I would hope to see you again, Sandy. Yeah. Let's it's do this. so much fun. Well, people, you know what time it is. It's time for you just to love yourself, you know, love others. Try not to, what did I hear? At least wake up in the morning. Try not to judge yourself or others for at least five minutes. That would make me so happy. (laughs) And until next time, toodles. Thanks for listening. Be sure to share and subscribe if you enjoyed the show. And remember, keep spreading the positive.